it's always an interesting measure in dealing with the timing, you know, of the weather and stuff like this. This this was actually earmarked for a couple of weeks ago for Sanctity of Human Life Sunday, and so, but we were able to do the baby dedication and everything today. So this this sermon falls into the category of serve on our on our our necessary kind of aspect of exploring all the different aspects of our church, and we're talking a lot about the nursery today. I don't know if you're aware, but you know, each Sunday morning, some volunteers spend some time in our nursery or in children's church, and they are helping, you know, and one of our staffers is kind of overseeing these different aspects of this, and we see that they go and they just watch your kids, and they do this so that you can come in here and that you can, you can sing and you can participate in the worship without having to worry about your smallest children, and we think this is an essential piece, you know, something I learned, and just, just for, you know, all manner of, of consideration, when, when you're a pastor and your wife is wrangling your children and you don't have a nursery, you know, she doesn't hear anything that gets, gets sang or said. She is busy doing all the things. And my wife has, has done this, for, you know, for years and years. And then, you know, we get into a position where you have a nursery and then she's like, oh man, all of a sudden I can, hear, I can hear the sermon. I can sing along. I can do the thing. But what most parents will realize is that if they have to wrangle their children and they don't get a chance to really participate or hear what's going on, what they'll do is they'll say, well, I could just stay at home and do that. And that's what they'll do. And so if you don't want to take care of people's children, you won't need to worry about a space for them. And if you don't need to take care of these types of pieces. So this is an essential part of our church function is us leaning in to care for other people's kids so that we can be active participants with our peer group and that they can be active participants in theirs. And it's really neat. If you don't know what's happening over in Children's Church, wow, wow. Really, really seeing some, some tremendous things over there. So much so that I will tell you that there's any number of stories that I hear of people telling me that... We were thinking about not coming to church, but our child told us we have to go. And you're it's like, I'm not, I'm not missing children's church today. And I'm like, man, I wish that our parents and our children equally feel energized for these types of purposes. We're going to look at a, a passage that's well-worn, a piece of scripture that I hope that when you look at with me, you'll say like, yeah, I remember this passage. So when you turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 10, I want you to find verse number 13. When you get there, I would love for you to stand in honor of God's word with me. I know I did that all very fast. Mark chapter 10, verse number 13. And when you find it, if you would stand. It says in verse 13, Then they brought little children to him that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked those who brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased and said to them, Let the little children come to me and do not forbid them. For of such is the kingdom of God. As surely, or surely I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. And he took them up in his arms, he laid hands on them and blessed them. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you that when we come to Scripture that we are oftentimes confronted with the truth about the simplicity of our faith, about the necessity of our joining with our heavenly Creator and doing so on his terms. We pray, Lord, that we wouldn't get in the way, that we would be the furthest thing from that, Lord, that each and every purpose of our church would be to let little children come to you. That we would like little children come to you even as adults. And that we would run to you in every circumstance. We ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Point number one, and right out of the gate here, it says, we should desire for all children to know Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but there's something that's intrinsically important to me, and that is that when you look at the landscape of humanity, um, if I were to ask you a simple question, I would say something like, so, of the children that you see in front of you, which children need Jesus the most? And that's a trap. But 
bear with me because we do that with our biases or with our, our, our cultural expectations, all these things. And sometimes we look at a situation and we say, well, maybe not that one. And I'm going to tell you that if you look at the scripture, you're going to see that it's very serious. All children need Jesus. So which ones need him the most? Yes, they all need him the most. It's not which ones, it's how much. And they all need him the most. You know, for, for everything that you could offer a child in this world, you can't offer them anything compared to what Jesus can offer them. And so when we see this, this opening verse, it's like, then they brought little children to him. And, and don't you know that this day, I had a boss one time come to me and he said something about something that he didn't like that was happening in a part of the building. And I said, well, they did blah, blah, blah. And he looked at me and says, they? And I, I kind of, I was like, oh, you mean the ambiguous unknown group that always gets they? Well, they aren't mentioned here specifically because they aren't the ones that matter in this story. The children are what matter in this story. So oftentimes when a they pops up, know that that's not the important piece. The important piece is what they're talking about. And they're talking about the little bitty kids. These little children. And I don't know about you, but it's really neat the effort that Crossroads has put forward to, to, to rally behind not only our nursery, but a daycare that we're, we're, we're desperately working to move forward on and open up to, to you know, if you were not aware, some, some little bits of information that you need to know. Number one is that there are far too few daycares across Oklahoma were considered a daycare desert, meaning that there's not enough spaces for children. And so when the vision was born into life, into this church, to say, hey, we ought to consider this, that the church rallied behind that and got behind it and we're doing it. And we're excited. We've transfor transformed a part of the room, part of the room in the back in here in such a way that if you've never seen it, you should wander back there because it's outstanding. When I came on board here, there were a couple different rooms that were like, question mark, like, what do they use this for? And there's like stuff just stored in these rooms and there was nothing in them. And I was like, I'm going to ask you the same question that I asked the church that I pastored in Missouri, looking down from heaven, do you think when God sees this church and he sees these rooms, he says to himself, man, I sure I'm glad they used 12 of the 14. Or I sure I'm glad they used nine of the 15. Or I sure I'm glad that they leave that one empty for no reason whatsoever. Because I don't think that's what he says. I think what he says is I've given you the rooms, let's use the rooms. And when you learn to use the rooms, you'll find out that if you will get serious about using those rooms, that people will come into those rooms and they'll learn about Jesus. And you see this picture, this intentional nature. Crossroads has gotten about, about being about utilizing all the space so that more people can come and be a part. And we took some spaces that were useful and we rearranged those. And we took some spaces that weren't useful and we rearranged those. And we're making this huge effort. We transformed the way the children's church is going on. We're, we're doing more and more stuff with children. We're excited about that, building on everything that's happened up until now. I'm not critical of that. I'm just saying that as we begin to launch into this, we begin to realize that in this story, we are the they. And the children are the important piece. Because one day, you and I, we're going to die, we're going to go on to glory, something's going to happen to us, we're going to be gone from this place, and the children will be left to inherit what's here. And we need to know that when they get there, that they know who Jesus is. And that they follow him, and they want to serve in their church. And want to do so in a unified thinking and a, and a belief, and, and they want to be excited about this work. Amen? So it's all of our responsibility. Point number one. You see it, it just stands out of the page here. But immediately before the verse is even over, it says, But the disciples rebuked those who brought them. Man. Point number two. Often we see the disciples getting in the way. Jesus' own hand picked followers are in the way here. Are you ever in the way? I've been in the way. 
I've been in the way because I didn't want to do something or I didn't like something. I've been in the way. And God has stepped smooth over me more than once. And he'll step right over you too. Trust me, he does not care what you want. What he cares is what he wants. And there's this powerful picture that the disciples are in this moment where they're like, Jesus is too important for this. This is beneath him. This is not important. I mean, and and they are just rebuking people. Man, I love this part of the story because, man, if you don't identify with this, then you you have not lived much life because we all do this at some point. But verse 14, when Jesus saw it, in the next phrase, it ought to just sear you like a branding iron. He was greatly displeased. Do you ever think that there's a moment in, in history, a moment in your life where you've done something intentionally or unintentionally that was displeasing to your Savior? It can happen. It does happen. It is part of the story. But I don't know a teacher in this room that hasn't been displeased by their students. Doesn't mean they don't love them or care about them. But I don't know a teacher that hasn't found a moment to say, all right, that's disappointing. I don't care, care for this behavior or this work. I don't know anybody in this room that's ever had a boss that was like, man, they do everything perfect all the time. You know, I kind of have this benchmark saying whenever somebody is new on a job and how many of you walk into the restaurant or walk into the service station or you walk into retail somewhere and they're like, oh man, it's her first day or it's his first day, right? Don't act like you haven't had this experience. We've had this experience, haven't we? And sometimes it's awful, isn't it? You think the boss is like, man, this is exactly what I trained them to do. They're doing it perfect by messing this up at this register. They're like, no, they're like panicking. They're like, oh no, we got to fix this. And they come over and they work their magic and turn their key and all of a sudden you can leave Walmart again. But I don't know anybody that's working. And so the, the turn of phrase that I use is that the only person who's not making a mistake is the person who's not doing anything. So we keep trying and we keep working at it until we get it right. And some of us have just gotten more of it right because we've been doing it longer. But we see this picture and Jesus is displeased. And I hope that when we bow our heads at night before we go to bed, that we would say, God, I hope that today I haven't done anything to get in the way or displease you. And I hope that if we, hey, if we could say that to him, that if he would show us something that was indeed displeasing, that we would, we would feel it and know it and that we would abstain from doing it. That's the beautiful picture of repentance, isn't it? When we, not just when we feel bad about something. I was talking about this on Wednesday night a couple weeks ago. Confession and remorse and repentance are three very distinct things. Confession just says we're willing to admit it. Remorse means we'll feel bad about it. Repentance is when we stop doing it and change direction. And they're all different. The disciples are doing something here that displeases Jesus. I hope that if we are doing something that displeases Jesus, that we will say, Lord, know this is what I've done. Know this is how I feel about it. And Lord, let me not ever do it again. And they're in the way of the children. They're in the way of the children. And then Jesus just plainly says this. Well, and point three is Jesus isn't shy to correct us. We need that from a Savior, don't we? We need it, desperately need it. Because some of us, we, need, we just need it at every turn. I've needed it at every turn. I had a boss one time come to me. I'm laying underneath this power company truck um, at the yard in, in Tulsa, and, and I've not been on the job for very long, and I've got a grease gun hooked up to a pneumatic hose. Well, you've missed here and here and here and here. And he starts pointing him out. And I said, hey, remember new guy, 
Just point them out. I don't know where they all are. And he says, okay. And he shows me. I said, I won't miss them again. Sometimes we need a Savior that will say, right here, right here, right here, right here, right here. Do these. And when he says it in the Bible, and he does so frequently, we ought to run to it. We ought to say, okay, he's told us what to do. Now let's go do that. But all too often he tells us stuff and we're like, well, we'll let somebody else take care of that. He says, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them. For of such is the kingdom of God. And I, I just, I I'm always tell this, this bit of this story and, and it always kind of stirs up a deep emotion in me. You know, there's a moment in time where you get an opportunity to invest in a group of children and you're not prepared. Um, I don't know about you, but it's, it can be overwhelming when you get a group of kids and they're energized and they're excited and they're in a room and you're like, you're one person and there's like 20 kids and you're like, I don't know, I don't have enough material or I don't have this organized yet. I'm not ready for this. And that's pretty terrifying. And that's why most people are like, I'm not sure I want to work with kids. We had a similar moment like that when we were on a mission trip and, and we were completely, just completely, after a couple hours of trying to manage a backyard Bible club that we were dreadfully underprepared for, lady comes from the local ministry that kind of does it on a weekly basis. We were there doing it all week long. And she says, okay, you're going to go to Target tonight and you're going to buy a fistful of whistles. You're going to build a schedule and you're going to follow it and you're going to rotate these kids pretty regularly, like clockwork. She says, and then you're going to keep them occupied for about 15 minutes at each station. That way it's constantly moving. Man, I'll tell you what, the rest of the week went, went smooth. It went outstandingly, just unpredictably smooth. And we saw hundreds of kids come into this Bible club. And we were ready to hand it off, man, turnkey, hand it off to the church that was right there where we had been doing it. And we were like, man, they are poised. And the idea was, is, always was the plan was, is that when we leave here, that they all come every week thereafter. We knew that some wouldn't come every day or every week, but they would be able to get a portion of these kids to come to their church. We learned on the last day of that mission trip, right before we're getting ready to head home, that the church had seen the numbers. And because they were smaller in number, didn't have enough workers that they said that they weren't going to move forward with the plan. They didn't have enough volunteers to help organize the kids. And they just weren't going to do it. And I never felt so defeated in my whole life. Well, maybe at that Hebrew example, we're not talking about that. But I remember thinking to myself, we worked so hard to get this right. We, we, we retooled our effort. We, we doubled down our, our intention. We organized it. We, we made sense of it. And they're saying that they're not going to, they're just not going to. And I, I remember thinking to myself about this verse a lot. And I'm thinking to myself, Lord, raise up a church in that area that would do the thing. You know, when we look at our church, we ask ourselves an intrinsic question. Are we the church that's meeting the children? Is there any work that's doing it? If not, then why not us? And if not, you know, not for the future, but for right now. Let's do it now. And there's this picture of Jesus. He's just saying, let the little children come to me. So everything we do you know, especially when you think about the nursery, and you think about the daycare, and you think about the, all the things we're trying to accomplish here with Children's Church and with Wednesday night, we are just trying to get out of the way so the kids can, kids can come to Jesus. That's what we're trying to do. Intentionally working our way to make sure that everything from, from adults down to the smallest child has an opportunity to come to Jesus. That's what we're trying to accomplish here. He goes on to say this, 
It says, as surely as I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. There's just this picture here. You know, point number four, if you're taking notes this morning, is get the children to Jesus. And then point number five, and I'll wait for you to write that down. Get the children to Jesus. It says, come to Jesus as a child is point number five. And there's this, this, this glaring, glaring verse. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. You know, I think of this passage frequently whenever people talk about the sanctity of human life. And I think we, we, we recognize children are, are of such deep and intrinsic value to our creator. They ought to be of deep value to us. You know, when we, we leave church on Sunday, and one of the things that will come up from time to time is, hey, we don't have enough nursery volunteers, or hey, we don't have enough workers on Wednesday night with the little kids, and, and hey, we, or hey, we're struggling, or, or somebody's burning out and they need help. And I always think to myself, Lord, have mercy, don't be displeased with us. Because these little children are coming to church, and we don't seem to have enough people to handle them. One week a month, one week a quarter, an hour on Wednesday night. I don't know. I think we got time. I think we got people. I think we just don't want to do it. But I think that it comes because we don't come from here as a child first. So we don't know what it's like to need that. Some of these kids that will come to our church will come from home situations that are great. They're supported and they're well-loved and they're, they're cared for at every turn. And some of them will not. And we're not here to try to decipher between the two other than to love those kids where they are. But because you know that those who have a great setting, we need to re-encourage it. And for those that don't, we need to give them something that's an alternate to it. And they need us. They need us so desperately, so badly. And we have all these opportunities. And I just, man, I just hope that you will pray today before we leave here to consider whether or not God might invite you to work in our nursery to volunteer with the daycare when it's open, to come on Wednesday night and help in the kitchen or help in the classrooms. Trust me, we do not, we do not want to displease Jesus on this account. He goes on, and the last, last little bit here is something profound happens. It says, and he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and he blessed them. That's what they wanted from the beginning was just Jesus you know, and, and I think of this, and, and I was thinking, I was mulling this over, and I was really thinking about this. You know, we are 100% in love with this Bible, this book. And in the beginning, it says that God created, and he formed each and every one of us, and we know that. So when these little children are brought back to him, it's a reunion with their creator. And I, I hope in your heart of hearts that you knew that the moment that you recognized your deep need for Jesus and the salvation that's offered to you, that it is a reunion with the one who authored you. And that's part of the reason that it, the, the uniting of that, of that moment of you back to him is why it feels so spectacularly right. And some people in this space and in churches across the land are rejecting that opportunity because they feel uncomfortable. They're not sure what it is. But trust me, coming to Jesus is the one thing that will make you complete and whole in a way that nothing else will. And Jesus is laying his hands and he's blessing these children. And I'll tell you what, it's pretty cool when we have a baby dedication, isn't it? And we get to stand as a church and say, we affirm this with the parents and we want to support them, amen? 
But what's re- what, it would be way cooler, and trust me, if Jesus was here present this morning, I would not want to be anywhere near the stage. I would want to be out there in the audience and let them come to Jesus. And isn't that what we're essentially all committing to? Trying to get every child to Jesus so that he might bless their life, so that he might be a part of their story, not neglected because we think that we're too good for it or it's beneath us. So, I mean, and then we just have this opportunity. Point number six. It says it's wrong to want his blessing on our terms. And I think that that's one of the biggest problems we have. Is that the disciples wanted to set the tone for who should or shouldn't. They wanted to gatekeep who should or shouldn't come. They wanted to gatekeep when people should or shouldn't come. Jesus, throughout the story, is constantly doing stuff constantly working over and in spite of and through all these moments. And it's really powerful. It's really outstanding so that he might bless these children. And it's really cool. It is so dynamically powerful to hear stories of children, children that are learning about Jesus that are making decisions to follow him. Kids that are part of our group that want to be baptized, that want to tell the story to their friends. It's really neat when kids make decisions at camp or when they make decisions in the normal course of the week. You see, I would hope that we would just become the they in the story that are bringing kids to Jesus. And that when people stand to reject it, we would just keep coming to Jesus anyway. And then when Jesus gets a hold of the situation, he blesses the kids anyway. And as a result, at the end of the story, nobody will know our name. But those children will know Jesus. They will know him through the nursery and through children's church, and they will know him through camp, and they'll know him through, through all the different avenues, through Wednesday night, and they will know him. And then at the end of the day, they'll say, well, you know, I had this Sunday school teacher, this connect group leader. I had this camp sponsor. I had this daycare worker. I don't remember anyone outside of my immediate family who watched me in any kind of daycare. They were there, but I don't remember them. Let's just be the they this morning. Lord, make us the they that we first and foremost don't displease you, but that we are ushering kids to Jesus. And let's get out of the way of being those who would gatekeep Jesus' time and his energy. Would you stand with me today? You might be in this place and you might need to admit for the very first time that you want to come meet this Jesus and something's been in, in your way. Maybe some bit of dialogue with somebody or some, some concern that you have. And maybe you need someone to guide you to Jesus. I'm, I'll be glad to do that. I'm excited about that. But today, I would like for a bigger opportunity for this invitation. For those of us in this room to commit before our creator that we want to be the they that bring people to Jesus not worried about the credit, not worried about any of the other parts, but just the bringing people to Jesus. So as we respond to this invitation, would you bow with me and let me pray? Lord God, we thank you that you are not shy to tell us that the, that the visible emotion on you to be displeased when people get in your way of meeting the children that want to come to you. I pray this morning, Lord, that we would just be the excitement, the energy that ushers kids right to you. Lord, that if we have been getting in your way, that we would step aside. We would watch you work, and we figure out how to be a part of the group that brings people to you. I pray, Lord, that 
you would have the opportunity to bless the lives of the children of our community through us. Lord, that you would get all the glory. We ask for this in Jesus' name.